If you're a veteran or military spouse of an early stage startup or small business and feel like you're making it up as you go, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to The Transition, where we demystify the entrepreneur experience for veterans and military spouses who've already made or are looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the voice of the bunker. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Labs branding team. This week on The Transition, I sat down with Army veteran Hoten Bai, president and founder of Patriot Conceptions, an LA-based surrogacy agency dedicated to providing exceptional service to surrogates and intended families. I met Bai through NYU's Veterans Futures Lab, where I gave a talk on branding. We connected afterwards, and since then, we've attended multiple events together, including the VFL Summit in New York City and the Milvet Startup Conference in San Francisco. Bai has an interesting background as a Chinese immigrant that enlisted in the Army after he earned multiple degrees here in the U.S. Once he transitioned off of active duty, Bai stumbled upon the third-party reproduction industry, commonly referred to as surrogacy, and was able to build a successful business serving clients all over the world. On the show, he shares more insight into his transition from the military, how he started Patriotic Conceptions, and his experience in the veteran entrepreneurial ecosystem thus far. Before we get into the show, I'd like you to subscribe to our newsletter at the link in the show notes. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter, shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org or message me directly on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman. I'd also like you to check out my first book, Black Veteran Entrepreneur, Validate Your Business Model, Build Your Brand, and Step Into Greatness, available on Amazon, which I'll also include in the link in the show notes as well. This episode of The Transition is brought to you by MetLife Foundation and their commitment to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. In addition, MetLife Foundation also provides mentorship, financial health resources to veterans and military spouses transitioning into the workforce. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show and that accelerates you on your own entrepreneurial journey. Bye, my brother. Welcome to The Transition. What's going on, man? Nothing much. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. How are you today? I'm great, man. Been a few weeks since we got to hang out in New York City. Uh, Bai and I were at the NYU Veteran Future Lab Summit, which was amazing. And we actually connected again. I keep having all these guests on that I met at the Milvet Startup Conference. But I believe, no, no, no. We actually met through NYU. Then we started talking online. I told you I was going to Milvet. You came. We broke bread. And so now I feel like we keep bumping in each other. So that's what it's all about in terms of building out this ecosystem with one another. Absolutely. So, bye. go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners. Let them know what you have going on with Patriot Conceptions. Absolutely. My name is Hao Tian Bai. I'm an Army vet. I'm the founder of CEO of Patriot Conception, a service dedicated to help individual and couples through third-party assisted reproductive technologies, commonly known as surrogacy and egg donation. Can you shed some more insights on what a third-party surrogacy is? Because you were the first person I know that was in the space. A third-party, well, a third-party would be someone, when you reproduce, when you need a third-party, a a surrogate or a gestational surrogate, in common words, you borrow her uterus. So because of of the rapid development of in vitro fertilization, meaning you can use your own egg and sperm to create embryos, in a pitcher dish, then transfer it back to a human body. Now you can borrow a third party or a surrogate uterus to carry your child 
that's a surrogate. And when when women, oftentimes, sometimes by choice, fell off their fertility cliff, they need to use some somebody else's egg to create, you know, families to create their own child. That's that's when when a egg donor come in, use the IVF protocol to stimulate their ovaries and retrieve their eggs, and use that for your own to create your own children. That's that's what an egg donor is in plant language. That's a lot to unpack. But the first thing in my mind is, how did you get in such an interesting space? Because do you have a background in like, you're not a doctor, you know, how did you come across this, in, come upon this industry? Well, as a transition out of the, the army, I, I, was, I felt insecure. I feel very insecure. I didn't know what to do. I, before, prior to joining the army, I, was, I, had, I went to grad school at Iowa State with civil engineer. So it was completely different things. Because of my insecurity, I started to get all different kinds of license. My last duty station was at Fort Shafter, Hawaii, which is about 20 miles from, maybe less, from Schofield Barracks, the home of the 25th Infantry. Hawaii's been known as a great, great real estate market. Real estate is only second next to tourism in, in Hawaii. And uh, so that's, the, that's my first thought. I need to get a real estate license. I need to start to make that real estate money. Then, because we know there's, there's so many, there's a, a military, active military personnel consists of 15% of total island population. And since I, I started to make that revenue stream from real estate, and I, then I thought to myself, you know, I, I can do real estate for those people. I can do mortgage. I can do insurance. So initial thought was, I want to get as many licenses as possible and to service a one-man shop for all their real estate or financial, basically financial needs, you know, insurance and mortgage. Then I started to, just like any other business, you need to, you need to market yourself. I had a website, it's a kind of stupid name, Buy Hawaii, because it's kind of right with my name. And, you know, and then mortgage, insurance, I, slow, I slowly add more service to my site so people get to know me more. And when you stack those expertise, expertise together, they give you, they give you more branding effect. They think you can, do, you can do all this thing. This guy must be good. And it, did, it worked well for me. I, I, had, I, built, I built a client, client base very quickly. First with the military, military community, then extended out to everybody. Then I started a few marketing campaigns. I, mm-hmm. I, I get exposed to everybody. Uh, it's sort of a long story. If I kind of shorten it, military spouses are ideal surrogates, as I mentioned at the very beginning. And I witness, witness some military spouses. Sometimes you just, just out of curiosity, curiosity you know, you know you, you're pregnant again. Congratulations. You said something like to them. And someone would say back, no, it's not for me. It's for other people. You know, then you started to get to know, wow, this is amazing. Like you are caring for someone else. To help other family to achieve their dream, and it just then you know fast forward to my transition and out of the military. And I, as I do real estate mortgage, I met, get to more, get to meet more people. One of one of my clients actually came from Southern California, where you know surrogacy scene was booming back during that time. 
he came to me is like, if you can do real estate mortgage, it's all about marketing. Get to know your customer, create a go-to market. But you can do surrogacy too. Get to build a network effect of physicians, lawyers. I believe we can do it. So, and the very next day I booked the flight to Orange County, California, and then started my, you know, mm-hmm. the current Petri Conception, you know, a surrogacy service. So the next day after you found this out in Hawaii, yes, you booked a flight to Orange County, California to move there or just like stand up the business? Just to establish the business, start to do research, you know, pretend I was a customer, you know, first of all, you got to do a little scouting, of course. So yeah, went around San Diego and Orange County, visited a few major third-party reproduction services companies, got to know, do more market research. And yeah, that's how we got started. And how, what year was this? That was the beginning of 2018. All right. So, so starting in 2018. And when did you get out the military? Uh, the end of 2017. All right. So you get out of the military, 2017. You talked about this insecurity. What did you mean regarding insecure? Just like trying to find yourself post-transition, just nervous about making money or just nervous about, I don't know, having your new identity? Um, both, I would say, I came in as you know, I came in, came to the United States as an immigrant. Went to college, went to grad school, joined the military. I, I did all that. I, you know, in retrospect, because I was looking for my own identity, looking for my, really my role in the society where I can make make a decent living and also make significant, or try to make an impact in the society too. When I talk about insecurity, I feel like I want to find something meaningful, maybe more than a job. I wasn't thinking it's going to be a full-blown entrepreneurship, you know, because I started as a solopreneur, or you call it, you know, independent freelancers. As I learn more, so I'm, this is how I built my own journey. Everybody has their own unique way to do, do things. I, you know, I learn as I build, you know, I you know, I fumble, tumble a lot. And, you know, I learn from that experience. And I, then when I become more confident, I move forward to the next step where I feel more confident. And when you went to grad school, so you said you went to college. Did you do it yes. while you were in the military or before? Before the military. So you went to college and grad school before the military? Yes. And then you enlisted. They didn't yeah. make you an officer? Well, I... At first, no. At first, of course, I got to go through the naturalization process. And without being naturalized, it becomes a funny word. And, and you can't become an officer without security clearance. So I did SF-86, all that, you know. For, but two years into my enlisted career, I found out I can be direct commissioned as environmental science and engineer officer. Submitted my packet, but I'm back down last minute. I actually got the... Got the message of I, I can, but backed out, decided to transition out because small branch, it's not really something I wanted. I, you know, if I wanted to build a career in the military, I would think about something like infantry, but environmental engineer wasn't. Yeah, back. Uh, uh, and I already started all my license exams. I had a few, a few of them. Got a first taste of, you know, how good the entrepreneur Kool Aid is. I was like, you know, that's probably not right for me. So I decided what? to transition out. Yes. And what made you join the military in the first place? 
Well, what kind of go back to the insecurity issue. I was a civil engineer sitting behind a desk. I did my first internship with Iowa State of Natural Resources. You know, sit behind the desk, looking at those waterways and, you know, so basically doing engineering designs. And not a lot of people work. And I feel like I, I don't want to settle with this type of work for the rest of my life. I want to do something more exciting. I want to be able to help, you know, and back in the day, I kind of set my mind to immigrating to the United States as a foreign student. And I want to make my contribution too. I want to make, you know, this country, if it make my life better, I want to make it better too, you know, by joining the military service. That's an amazing story because I know when we were having dinner, you talked about how you came here with virtually nothing and still managed to go to school, earn your education, and, you know, become an entrepreneur. And I think that's a testament to, you know, a lot of the opportunities we have, despite how challenging life may seem. But, you know, as I get older, and I've learned to look at the world more as a glass that's half full instead of half empty. And, you know, people like you actually take advantage of opportunities, too, because, you know, I told you about Milvet, I told you about PinFed, I told you about some of these other organizations, and you took the ball and ran it. <laughs> ran into the end zone. Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, one of the, not just immigrant, I think immigrant in the category is one of those underrepresented, underrepresented minorities. But like we have mindset that, you know, nothing, nothing's really secure. It's got to be now, you know, we see the opportunity presented to ourselves, better grab it before it, you know, uh, it disappears. All right. So let's go back to 2018, right? So you fly. You fly, you set up shop, Orange County, do a little market research, right? Talking to all these other similar businesses. And then you slap the table and you say, I'm launching my own business. So that's 2018. At what point did you realize like this thing really has some steam? Because what well, usually it doesn't happen to, it doesn't happen to any business. But for me, it was two weeks. Simple answer is two weeks. And the reason is it's such a niche. Very, very few people know even know about this. I'm, I'm talking to our audiences. You know, I I would I would bet my money that you know very few people know this services exist. Well, no. And as I research, I found out, and because it's well hatched uh, from the outside world, people are not thinking about innovating. We we have talked about you know marketing, category creation, creation, digital marketing, lead generation. It simply didn't have the concepts. What I realized back in the days when I first started it, they brought, they brought intended parents, their customers, surrogates into the office, have you know, have one-on-one -on -one conversation, have their sign their or fill out their application on a paper, on the paper. So it was a very archaic and you know, dinosaur age operation. I feel like this is something I remember on a tweet, you know, on, on a tweet, somebody said. Like you find a business that makes a lot of money, but still use a fax machine. Well, this time, you know, this case is even worse. It's not, they're not even using a, they use, they using, they, they, they were using paper application. Now that's your opportunity to disrupt, digitalize it, to make it better and to beat all your competitors. And if you can do it quickly, you know, you can be the new, you know, monopoly, if you call it, to just quickly overtake the market. That's what I realized. Really, two weeks, I, I realized we can gain tra traction. And because of all the digital tools provided to us, 
you can build a web website, Squarespace, and in like two days instead of two weeks. You know, there's CRMs instead of manually recorded on uh, on a sheet of paper. So, and inbound marketing tools. There's so many different tools. We didn't sufficient enough research. Put them together, come up with a plan, then we execute it. When you say we, who yeah. is we? Is it just you and like an admin, or did you recruit a co-founder? Talk to us about your your team. I had a co-founder, and if you want to know the story of failure, that's part of it. Without much of a due diligence, so that's he's one of the we, and. On day one, he brought in one of his former employees because he was doing a lot of trial and error. So there's one guy, assistant, then we quickly hired another person in, in about 10 days and another one, 15 days. So small, but very impactful team at the very beginning. And when did, I want to know what happened. Why do you not have a co-founder anymore? You don't have to go into the specifics, but just at a high level, because I think it's very valuable for our listeners to understand, you know, be careful about who you have a relationship with with regards to your business. Absolutely. To make the story short, you know, to just research your co-founder, research the people that you want to really when you when you choose somebody described the user analogy, I think it's very accurate. You marry that guy really when you when you chose him or her as a co-founder. And, and of course, before you get, get into a marriage, you need to do due diligence on this person, make sure. Of, and back in the day, I didn't know he had, you know, 300 credits, you know, credit score. And <laughs> it flashes some you know, red, red yeah. flags. And he didn't have, I just, I didn't know anything about him. It turned out he wasn't, you know, he, 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 didn't, even, he didn't even have a legal status in the United States. He didn't have a, a good credit score. And it's a very quick, very quick research would debacle all this, you know, myth and, and show me clear picture of who he is, but I just simply didn't do it. Nowadays, you have so many tools. You have a checker. Well, of course, you need to do it as an organization or hire private private investigator, you know, to know their background. They have criminal records or anything like that. It doesn't mean you just find it. Find a, find a reason to deny them right away. But at least you have something, you you know, you have some some early warning sign and you, you would want to have that early discussion, that ugly discussion. You know, what happened to you? Why you have those court records? Why you, you know, you have 300 credit score? And what did you do? And I didn't do that. And all I can say is human greed got the best out of him. And it was a short journey, 10 months. So I guess... What was for, what was fortunate for me was that it didn't didn't take long until he re- revealed himself who, who who he truly was. You know, found out all the money was gone and started civil litigation. Spent a lot of money, not half a million, but close. So somewhere close to four hundred. Oh wow! And didn't didn't get anything remotely, you know, close to what I lost back. So and it and it took three years because of the pandemic. So cho- you know choosing a right co-founder was very important, and that was a very big lesson learned from me. Very expensive lesson, but yeah. I, I'm you know not to make myself you know not to really something to drink that Kool Aid make myself feel better. But yeah, I I, I did feel lucky that it did it ha- 
happened very early in my you know entrepreneur journey. So I I didn't really have much to lose. Well, I appreciate you sharing that story. And it's sometimes this stuff is just the cost of doing business, you know, because a lot of us are transition veterans. We don't know any better, right? This is our first, you know, we got to take people at their word. We're just getting our feet wet in, you know, entrepreneurship and starting businesses and whatnot. And uh, jokingly, though, yo, when that guy or gal who's your co-founder, you know, you're like, why are you wearing an ankle bracelet? Oh, don't worry about that. That's just, you know, that's just something. (laughs) Or like, how come I never see you driving a car? You always you know, getting dropped off by these shady individuals, right? Pay attention, man. Don't be a soft target, right? That's what we say in the marine, hard targets and soft targets. Don't be a soft target. And it's very frustrating, to be honest, y'all, because, you know, you get into the civilian world and everyone is so, particularly when it comes to business, people are so quick to put on this front. Like, it's like, dude, stop. You know, everyone is always trying to come across like, oh, we're killing it all the time. It's just this kind of like phony image. And I think it's this thing that thinks, I think it's because, you know, one, we always want to not, I don't know, maybe business is just so public, right? Maybe that's what it is. And so it's like, you want to put your best foot forward all the time. But at a certain point, like, it, it can also feel like really disingenuous, you know, whether you're a vendor, you're hiring a vendor and they promise you the world and then they don't deliver on it. And you're like, what the heck, man? So that's why I'm big on communities like this. So we can vouch for one another. So before you hire that vendor or get that co-founder, man, make sure you start having those conversations in your network. You know, just put some feelers out. And I think that's how we protect ourselves and protect each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's like, that's what we're trying to, you know, protect the people from uh, on, on our left and right. And all of a sudden, we need to do, you know, we don't do diligence on them, you know, the, DOD actually did, every, did did all that for everybody, but some some of them didn't really have a perfect record. But we learn to accept who they are. Uh, everybody's imperfect, but you know we learn the same value, you know loyalty, duty, and all that. But civilian civilians they didn't have the same mentality, same training, and uh, yeah, they would do something sometimes is really hurtful. So when I met you, I was like, man, how did you get into surrogacy? And you're like, man, I was a hustler. You were like doing a bunch of different ventures. You had the real estate going. You tried a bunch of stuff, wins and some losses, but it really sounds like you found your stride with this third-party surrogacy. And so I didn't know that you were dealing with all the fallout from a co-founder, that you're losing money, but the returns were still good enough for you to keep pushing forward. So once you realized, like, this was working, did you start shutting down your other businesses, like the real estate stuff, and focus all in on third-party surrogacy? Yes, almost immediately. And because, you know, those licenses, they need continual education, they need renew, renewal application. So I didn't do that. So and it kind of expired the year, year or two after I started the service of business. And, you know, so yeah, so I feel like, but I'm, I, I kind of have a naturally have that personality. I don't multitask. I, I suck at multitasking. So it really didn't, I, I didn't have a choice, but Looking back, it was kind of lucky, too, that I didn't think about all that. Oh, I need to make that money. I need to, you know, I just laser focus on surrogacy, and I was kind of good. And how did you get connected to the bunker? Bunker Labs, well, for, first, as the one you talked to VFO, VFL, you, you introduced, the, you know, the podcast, the things that you did for in the past, Ambassador, now you post full-time for Bunker Labs. So I did my research. I I started to 
explore the different programs. I actually got myself into that breaking the barrier without knowing too much. I know it's like a baby step, the first st- stage, early stage program, but I still lure myself in just so I get get to know you know people like you, especially our ecosystem, our you know veteran entrepreneur ecosystem. So I really just through you, the VFL. What were talk. you doing? Yeah, what were you doing from 2018 to 2021? Was there no, you weren't a part of the ecosystem? Were you just out there hooking and jabbing by yourself? Well, at first, I really didn't know those programs existed. How I found out about a VFO was really just LinkedIn ad. So before, I soldier for life in the Army. The transitioning, official transition program didn't have, didn't mention a word about bunker labs. What well, that's definitely something they can improve on or VFL or any other uh, any program that you introduce me to into nothing so yeah it's a, uh, a lot of a lot of those programs attribute back to you because you you made the introduction but now look at you man you're flying across the country my man has gone to like I say he flew to SF you just did the rice veteran pitch battle right you went out to Dartmouth University for the Tuck, what was it, a one-week program on diverse businesses or something along those lines? Yeah, it was paid by Wells Fargo and, and Bunker Labs was maybe the co-sponsor or the introdu- intro- introducer. So it was a beauty and diverse business for underrepresented minority business owners. Kind of like compacted MBA crash course. They have financial accounting, marketing, operations, strategies. They punch everything into one week and they have uh, well they actually have another advanced cohort uh in a month called growing a diverse business and same same thing through bunker labs and the Wells Fargo. so all these experiences that you've racked up over the last year how are you applying that to your your current business like has it changed your goals what are you what are you shooting for now i well don't laugh but i'll try to be the name you know try to overtake my industry, third-party reproduction. I, I feel like Bunker Labs, VFL, all those programs equip me with more knowledges. And really, you're the one that, inter- that say, why, you know, remember the first time we talked, you were like, why are you staying in the low profile? I was like, I just want to be the one that focuses on building things, grinding, and not to look, you know, not to look outside. I feel like some, sometimes I feel like there's too much distraction. and. When you said that, I started to research, I started to, and one of the, I forgot, is either LinkedIn post or Twitter hit me really hard. That they say, when you scale a business, when you scale your business from few million dollar revenue to, you know, tens of millions or even more, hundreds of millions, it requires complete different skill set and network. And you know, I, I remember Tim just posted something a few days ago on LinkedIn, like network and your relationship really takes years, if not decades to build. It's not something that, for example, I went to Rice University, I, I got to know 15 amazing teams, but you know, but not one trip doesn't really allow me or allow them to know me, to get to know me. And, you know, we just got to keep going to different events, keep keep going to different, you know, network conferences, industrial conferences. So people can know you, you get to know other people to build that relationship. And those relationships and network allow you to scale, scale your business. 
and you know, and also present more opportunities to you when it's needed. So you inspire me on that, and I start just whenever there's this opportunity, I try to seize it. And funny from from Rice to Hanover, New Hampshire, Dartmouth, I have to take like I think I only had eight hours to make it. Bought a flight ticket was expensive. You know, was a coach too was like. $1,600. And when I got to Boston, I have to take a three hour bus ride. But, you know, like you say, when when presented to, when opportunity presented itself, you know, whatever it takes, you got to seize, seize it. So you get after matter. it. And that flight out to Hawaii ain't no joke, right? <laughs> so I know it's a pain. I know it's a pain in the ass moving around the yeah. country. But let me tell y'all, man, even when I saw him at the VFL event, right? You're, you were literally flying out that day. So you had your booth set up. And you were like, yeah, I got to get out of here by like four o'clock to catch the six o'clock flight. And now you're telling me that you also been up to Dartmouth. So, man, it's crazy. But what, let me ask you this too, right? So I think the other thing I like about your story is I call you one of those sleepers, right? So there's tons of people that, you know, there's, we're big on startups, right? Tech startups, those are the ones getting a lot of attention. But something as simple as third-party surrogacy right? You're able to build a nice seven-figure business off the back of connecting these, these people, right? And this is not something that you see on the front page of, you know, a lot of these entrepreneurial magazines or, you know, you don't see people like yourself moderating panels at these events, right? Yet you still were like, hey, this is a great opportunity. I see some opportunity to innovate here and I'm just going to get after it. Yeah, thank you. I feel like it also resonate with what Peter Thiel said, you know, like starting from a niche so you don't face that cutthroat competition. So you want, want to find a solution very vertical. You want to build a database to compete with Google Firebase or something like that. You have so much competition. And, and, and people think about, you know, total addressable market, whatever billion, whatever zillion. But they, they didn't think about the competition they're facing and how many smart people, very smart people, MIT, Stanford, whatever, already working on this solutions. So like veterans too, I, uh, at Rice, I've seen so many people are working from, starting from a niche where they face very little competition. Just like, you know, going back to the tweet that I saw, you know, you found a business already making a lot of money, but still using a fax machine, you know, so it can be an analogy, pretty much a very old fashioned, that's your opportunity to disrupt. And, you know, sometimes you just got to think it differently to, I feel like, you know, and connecting that with the marketing engineering that you talk about, you know, create a cat new category, be the category king. I feel like that's really what most opportunities are at for, you know, our, our veteran entrepreneurs. I had Justin Jackson on this podcast where he talked about the importance of finding existing demand instead of just trying to create it. And so with you and what you're going you know, my generation, we're having less and less kids for a lot of different reasons, right? So there's a wave that's moving on this third-party surrogate that you were able to take advantage of. When did you see it? Was it just because you moved out to Orange County and you start talking to people and you're like, oh, I see this here? Or was it once, like you said, you start talking to those military spouses and then you start doing your own research? You're like, man, this has a lot of potential. I actually did that. I was the kind of people just like to pull out my phone, start a Google. I mean, fortunately, we have a chat GPT now. But back in the day, I started Google. And the first website that popped in front of me was the CDC. They actually have gathered all the data for ARTS, Assisted Reproductive Technology, IVF. 
And what I found out back, that was 2018 or so, they already have close to 300,000 IVF cycles. Uh, and out of that, 6% use like surrogacy, sur gestational carrier or gestational surrogate. And roughly about a, a little, well, a little over 25,000 egg donor cycle were conducted that year. And, but the year to year growth was amazing. I think it grew by 300% since 20, because that, that, that was back in 2018. Since 20, 2012, it grew like 300%. So, or, and even from 2018 to, to this day, it still have that explosive growth. If anything, this year's demand is even higher than the year than, and way higher than the year that I started it. Of course, the pandemic kind of, you know, made everything, especially with surrogacy, we are one of the four countries that have legal sur legalized commercial surrogacy. The other three being Russia, Ukraine, Georgia, and they're not really ideal places to go now because they're so close to either, you know, at war with Russia or so close to Russia. People kind of have, have that fear. So we are really the only destination that's why I say you no know, pandemic had a big impact because we had a lot of international customers, intended parents came to the States from Europe, from, you know, Asia, from really everywhere. And yeah, so I, you know, short, short answer, I identified that right away back in 2018. So as you've been pitching your business, both at VFL and at Rice, how has the feedback been from the judges that have been viewing your pitch deck and the business model and everything? I didn't do very good at rice that I have to admit, but that's part of the process. You fail and you learn to do better. I think the biggest takeaway was this third party reproduction was still at infancy, at awareness level level. Because you look at, you know, you're the expert for marketing, you know the marketing funnel, awareness, interest, desired, action. Well, sorry, I might, I might get the order wrong a little bit, but we're at the very top. Most people are at the very top of the funnel, awareness. So I try not to tell too much story about how about the bottom mid or you know bottom funnel. Right now, just want to do a lot of education on the awareness level. I want you to be aware this technology technology exists, and. Fortunate, you know, a few celebrities that they, they, they did it, and not or the tech CEOs like Peter Thiel, Elon Musk. Elon Musk had like six kids from surrogacy, and Kim Kardashian, Dwayne Wade, and Gab Gabrielle Union. You know, so they spread the, the awareness far quicker than I than I than I could because you know they're celebrities or tech executives. But yeah, it's, it is booming, and you see more and more celebrities. This this year's alone alone, you have a Paris Hilton, and you have a few British actors, actresses, you know, actresses. So yeah, so it's definitely spreading. So you already have a successful business. You bootstrapped it. You've caught a market with strong demand. Why even bother pitching it? Like, what is what do you what are you working towards? I first I, I like to build a network. And how do you find people with, you know, like-minded individuals, uh, you know, the competitors that you have at the pitch competition? Because usually people are, you know, they don't have the awareness. I want to sign up. People don't have enough motivation. They're not even going to sign up. So it's kind of 
act as an automatic filters. People who are at rise uh, are the people that you want to be friend with. You want to build network with. Same thing with Dartmouth, with the VFL. So, yeah, that was, and also to get some feedback. I, you know, just as individuals, I kind of identify myself as a lifetime lifetime learner. I want to know where I have weaknesses, and I want to build strength, and I want to build progress to to, to make my weakness, you know, go away. And that's one of the way I botched I botched my mm-hmm. presentation at Rice. Then, so next time I, you know, next next year maybe I'll go back, maybe I don't. But any other competition, I wouldn't. I'll, I'll be better at storytelling. I know my audiences better. I, you know, identify their needs, what's story strategy, marketing strategy. So that's that was the main purpose. I highly doubt you botched it, right? Yeah. You just learned. You know, I remember my first pitch at Stanford Ignite. Had no idea what I was doing. They were just like, ready, go. Uh, but you get better as you go. And I can't, my ego tank can't take pitching no more. So I don't really pitch. So kudos to you. <laughs> kudos to you for doing it but that's that's actually a good idea right using pitch comps as a way to build awareness for your brand within your own ecosystem because you start going to these events people start seeing your business they start connecting dots they're like maybe you should talk to this person oh that sounds real interesting maybe we should think about this and i think that is some i think that's some good insight now one of the things we typically do on the podcast at the beginning is i ask our guests to take off their armor right so and this is where we get vulnerable so by all accounts, right, you're doing really well for yourself as an entrepreneur, right? You've been able to participate in multiple pitch competitions. And Rice is no joke. That's a hard one to get into, let alone make it to the finals, right? So you're winning in a lot of accounts. But where are you struggling? Like, where do you feel in that you still need, you know, progress? Well, it's very obvious. As the audience can hear, I have an accent. Insecurity. But something I always felt as an immigrant, coming to this country, speaking English as a second language, that makes everything, everything else I do, even, even if I have a good marketing skill, good programming skills, sometimes it could make you feel less. And because of that one little thing that you don't do right. Part of the, and that's part of the reason I didn't change my last name. Because I want to remind myself, one of the things that inspired me to come to uh, come here to join the military services to start an entrepreneur journey was when Barack Obama did his you know democratic convention convention speech somewhere in the line he said it's not possible for this black kid with a strange name and of course then he went on and started to talk about there's no red state blue state there's you know, United States there's no democrat uh, uh, democrat state Republic standards, the United States, you know, got got you really pumped. But that that specific line, they got kind of really inspired me. It was like, because uh, when you first read that name, name, it'd be like Barack Obama or something. You know, you couldn't pronounce it. The same to my name. I didn't name myself Mike or anything like, you know, make it easy for English speaking, speaking population. Because I wanted that to remind me, you know, you know, remind me and everybody else, you know, it's like, you know, this. Because of speech, I want I, I want to remind myself, you know, it's like I'm always the always have the immigrant mentality, you know. DC opportunity, you have a strange name, you have, you know, you are you are a yellow kid with a strange name, but you want to prove other people wrong. 
you want to prove them wrong. You know, you are no different, even though you have a strange name. I'm not a strange person. I'm not, you know, I want to prove, I want to continue to build my skill set, continue to learn, continue to experience it all so I can prove other people wrong. And it's been a test in, testimony, you know, it's like proving other went wrong is the best way to win the competition instead of, because sometimes, you know, the, a, a lot of the voice of weaker the, Work of the action you sometimes, and that that was part of the reason I was kind of low on, um, stay low on um, marketing and pre- projecting myself. But that truly inspired me and vulnerability. Yeah, so that's that kind of dragged me down. Always make me feel inadequate. I had to come up with a strategy to remind myself. You know, you're not. You know, you're not inadequate. You gotta. You don't feel that you are different. You are indifferent from anybody and anybody else. Your name is your heritage. You know, just go win a good competition, you know, in life, in business, in, in, in every aspect, and make, and make people know how to properly pronounce your name under respect. So that's one thing. Well, from a specific business aspect, I would say, I think that makes everybody feel vulnerable is the generative AI. And every week, every day, even every hour, they come up with a new thing. That's another thing that's making you feel really vulnerable. You feel like a lot of things can be replaced. Marketing copies can be written in seconds. You know, social media images, videos, podcasts, everything is is threatened by the current development, not just the open AI. There's so many different large language models and other deep learning models. And now it just got crazy. Uh, it got integrated. It got automated. It started to, you know, have a really in- impacts on every business operations. So that's where I feel honorable, vulnerable. Even as we do this podcast, I feel like I've been being on Twitter for uh, for an hour. What, what what did I miss? You know, what new tools I miss? <laughs> yes. Well, I appreciate you sharing once again, and I appreciate having you on this podcast today, telling your story, your inspiration. I am not going to let you walk around feeling inadequate because you're a rock star, right? You're doing some great stuff on third-party surrogacy, and you're a great entrepreneur. And I think as an ecosystem, we're lucky to have you because we probably have a lot of listeners who are immigrants as well. And hearing your story, hearing you come out and, and, and speak really inspires them as well. And so as we close out this episode, you know, you've given us so much of your time today. How as a community of veteran entrepreneurs and military spouses all across the country, all across the world. How can we help support you? Well, like I say, I'm in the business of making babies and making family complete. And for entrepreneurs, if you like to help me spread the awareness, there's, I understand conceiving, going through IVF treatment, infertility treatment is stressful. I can be of a contribution to that. And for military spouses or anybody who's willing to become a surrogate donor to help another family and well at the same time get well compensated of course that's something that we can do but in general to any veteran entrepreneurs if i can be of any resources or just offer a piece of my my advice my experience i'd be happy to do so i failed a lot there are many many more failures or fail you know story of mine that i you know i wasn't able to share today but I feel like those are the most valuable. You know how I fell, how I, you know, got back up. So I'd be happy to do so for anybody within our, you know, vet, entrepreneur community. Where can people find you at? How can they get a hold of you? 
I'm on LinkedIn. I, you know, I'm I'm the yellow kid with strange names, so it's not hard to find. <laughs> and I'll be sure to include a link to your website as well. And for all our listeners, go ahead and do me a favor. Make sure you subscribe to the Transition Newsletter, the link in the show notes. There's a topic you like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter. Shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org or message me directly on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman. Until next time, peace, love. Have a great rest of your week, everyone.